Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It's good to have you guys here this morning. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. You know, going into Christmas at times, it gets a little crazy, and we get a little crazy and a little, you know, all over the map. And, and uh, really, it's a time that we should walk in peace and, and really uh, excitement about what, what we're moving towards and worshiping. So I want to uh, talk about one thing we do is we do a Christmas offering every year. And that Christmas offering, this is above and beyond your normal giving, and it's uh, to help families in need and single moms. This 100% goes to, and we, it, we have needs in this church, and, and uh, we help single moms out every year, and then we help families that have needs. And um, I would ask, if this is your church, I don't care if you give a dollar or $1,000. Both. Why is that? That's not funny. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and all, and look, if this is your church, give something, something. We have boxes into the sides. This is, and there's envelopes. There should be envelopes there. Kenny, are there envelopes? We'll have to get envelopes out there. Just, you can drop a check in there, whatever you do. But that goes specifically. I'm asking you if this is your church. I don't care. Again, if it's a dollar or five dollars, I don't care. Whatever it is, I want you to to say, this is my church and we're going to help others. Okay? So this is something I l- we love to do and we love to be able to uh, bless families and, and moms during this time. And, and it's it's tough during this time. It can be really, really difficult. So um, I thought I had, okay. So we're in this this Ephesians series, but we'll, we'll take a break at Christmas and, and do Christmas. We've got a couple things coming up. As Chris said, Elf, please come out, invite your friends, family. It's a good way to get your neighbors. We'll have pizza. We'll have candy. This on this screen, we'll utilize it other than my 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 notes that are oversized and and, and many. Um, so we'll, we'll watch the show. It'll be great. Christmas Eve falls on Sunday this year, so we will have a Christmas Eve morning service. Um, we have a church that meets in the afternoon, so they'll be here during the, during the Christmas Eve. And then um, that's a regular time, same, everything's the same. I will put together, Kenny, you got a question in the back. Yes. Oh, gosh, thank you. Um, it starts at 6.30, isn't that what time it starts? I just made that up. Do we want to take a vote? Are we a congregational church where we take a vote? Is 6.30 work for everybody? <laughs> and it was always one. Seven's better? 6.30 it is. We got seven, 6.30. <laughs> hey, you don't have to worry about dinner because we'll have pizza here. So, you know, that's perfect timing there. Thank you, Kenny. I was getting ready to go, why do you have an answer? But then you came up with a great question. Or why do you have a question? But then you have a great question back there. So I repent for judging you in my mind before you said your question. You're the best. <laughs> so Christmas Eve service, usual time. Monday the 25th is, is, is home Christmas. It's Christmas. So what we'll do, we'll start next week, is I'll hand out, if you've been around long enough, you see the cards that we hand out, and we ask you to take your family through uh, Christmas with your family. The first thing you get up, we ask that you offer Jesus um, a, a, a thanks for Christmas before you tear through all the presents, which is tough to do with kids, but we've figured out a way to do it. So we'll... Give you that in the next week or so. Um, and then New Year's Eve is, is on a, a Sunday, so December 31st. We'll be here for New Year's Eve also. So those are just some dates and some things to look at over the next few weeks. Um, we're in the second week of Advent in, in the Advent calendar. And the, the candle, we got candles, but not Advent candles, but the candle. And, and the second week represents peace. And, and Jesus said he was the prince of peace. And the, the word peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom. It's an interesting word which means completeness or well-being. In other words, that when you walk in peace, Christians, when you walk in peace, church, when you walk in the peace that God calls us to, there's a completeness about you and there's a well-being. That's huge. That's huge. Shalom is completeness and well-being. 
And we're in this series uh, in, in Ephesians. And again, as I said a couple weeks ago, that there, there's a, a, a moving, is that me or is there a moving thing around there? <laughs> They're, I'm like a cat. They're trying to distract me to see if I go out. You see that meme where that cat chases that thing over and over again? That's me. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's one of those mornings. I'm all over the place. I'll try and focus now. You guys, you would not see this at uh, Saddleback this morning, but that's all right, you know. We're good. It's all right. All right, let's read our scripture from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 this morning. It says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that, uh, that uh, God, as your word goes forth this morning, Lord, that, that we'd be open to receive. God, not only that we'd be open to receive your word, that we'd be open to change. And allow your word to do what you meant it to do, which is to bring peace, to bring truth, to bring hope. God, let us be a people as we, we, we come this morning, not just to check it off the list, but God, let us have ears to hear. Oh God, change us. Let us not be the same people that walked in here. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us, that moves in us. God, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This week, this week, um, this Christmas, I want you to think, and I talk about this regularly, I want you to enter the story. I want you to walk in peace. The way that you can enter the Christmas story, you see, Jesus entered the story as a baby. And the way that you, and, he's, and because he entered the story, you and I can enter the story. See, too many Christians live outside the story that we see in this Bible. We check into church, we do our little things, we go to a small group, whatever we do, but we don't live in the story. And I'm asking us as a church, you as a Christian, to enter in this Christmas season. And I'm just saying this season, I'm talking about your life, to enter in and to walk in the peace that God called us to walk in. Amen. <laughs> Thank you all. I'm asking you to, to make a, 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 a choice in your mind that I'm going to make this decision that I'm going to walk in this peace during this, in the midst of the chaos that is going on outside these doors, in the midst of the hopelessness that's going on outside the doors, in the midst of the wars and the confusion and all the things that we see, in the midst of all the family problems, all the money problems, whatever it is, I'm asking that as you look at this word and examine it, that you might step into the story and the story be that you walk in peace in the midst of the chaos. See, because that's what this word says that I'm to do. That's the promise that God gives me. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul shows us this. And again, I'm amazed at how it falls right into where we're at this week in, in this story in Ephesians that Paul speaks of. And, and, and there's this subtlety I don't want you to miss when Paul uh, starts chapter 4. And he says this. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. Now, there, there, there's a literal prison that Paul was in, and there's a metaphor that he's speaking of. Two things here. There's the literal being chained, but then he's talking about this metaphorically being chained to God, being chained to Jesus, that, that everything he is is identifiable by Jesus. He is, he is a prisoner in a good way to the Lord. But he also was in prison. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling to which you have been called. Now, you need to see something here. There's a subtlety that, that we'll read across that, but, but we miss so many times. And it's this, that Paul in the natural was prisoned. He was shackled. He was, he was uh, waiting for trial. 
about. And, and Paul is, is in this prison. He says, therefore, uh, uh, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, want to walk in a manner worthy. And there's, there's usually this disconnect. But what we see here is Paul, in the midst of being a prisoner, has this great joy, has this peace that he's walking in, a manner worthy. We, we can't, you know, when we read so many times, we, we have this cultural disconnect and we don't understand what's really going on. But, but if we really understand what Paul was going through and then we saw what he wrote in this book and we knew what his life represented, even in the midst of difficulty, he'd be a little blown away. But it'd also bring you hope. Because you go, he's going through that. I can go through this. Why is this so important? Because many of us are like Paul, and we're in a prison. And the difference is many Christians I see, there's no peace. All of us have experienced a prison of some sort. To many Christians, we're bound up as prisoners. We're bound by our past, the past that we can't escape, the abuse, the difficulties that we went through that we just can't get rid of. We're bound as prisoners by unforgiveness because of something someone did to us. We're bound by financial pressures that just weigh us down, and it's, it's never enough, and we're never going to make it. We're bound by anger because of something happened, and it's this constant outburst. It binds us. We're prisoners to the anger in our life or the hate that just sits in us or maybe we're bound as prisoners to the hopelessness. There are so many Christians that are bound and prisoners and God understands, but he says, look, you can be free and you can walk in peace in it. For too many Christians, there's no peace. That the Bible and Paul tell us that we're to walk in peace. And some of us are going, well, I would love to walk in peace, but you just don't know my situation. You don't know what happened to me when I was five. You don't know what happened to my parents and their, their divorce and their crazy. You don't know what happened to me physically. You don't know my, my, my health status. You don't know all these things that we think. The Bible doesn't give us any caveats. It doesn't say, but except for those who are going through difficult times. In fact, it says the opposite. Those who are going through those things, difficult time, can walk in the fullness of God's peace. That's mind-blowing. And if the church would get this, think of what it would say to the world. I, you know, I'm coming up on uh, about a year of my mom's death. It's like right about now is when we started to realize this thing's not good. It's, it's coming to the end here. And... Uh, I, 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 I think of, you know, I, I read Paul and I go, man, surely could have been in this Bible. This is a woman that, that was in incredible pain, but, but she, she always had this peace about her. There was always this strength that was beyond her physical ailment. There was always this, this glow in this. And, and as I'm reading Paul and I'm thinking what Paul might be like, I'm like, maybe he, he, my, he was a little bit like my mom who in the midst of, of, of incredible suffering, there was always this little smile. And, and I knew there were times that, that she, would, she would be like this in front of us, and she'd go home and she would just cry and break down. And, and, and I'm looking at Paul, but there was always a peace and hope in her heart, and it just, I just pray that I can walk in a little bit of that. See, in Philippians 4, Paul says this. He talks about, he says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you read that scripture and we quote that scripture, the peace of God surpasses all understanding. We're good at saying that thing. But do we really believe that the peace of God will surpass all understanding? In other words, does the peace of God surpass your circumstances? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Do we live as though the peace of God surpasses my circumstances? Ah. Not always. We try. We're not perfect. But Paul tells us that we can. See, the peace that transcends all understanding comes from knowing that no matter what life throws at us, we can still have joy. 
When we know that our victory lies in Jesus Christ and not in our circumstances. See, my hope, my, my peace, my, the victory in my life comes from knowing the Jesus of this Bible. Not from my circumstances changing because I can't promise you that your circumstances will change. I'll pray with you. I'll believe with you. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll, we'll, some of you will pray in tongues. Some of you will shout. Some of you will dance. I don't know, but we'll keep doing that. But I can't give you any guarantees. I just don't know. Only God does. And, and when you look at Paul's life, you have to understand that, that he walks in this joy. He walks in all this stuff. Now, all the difficulties in Paul's life started when? after he encountered Jesus. Paul's, I mean, Paul's doing pretty good. You know, he's, he's legit. He's the Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, he is, he's the man. And then he has this encounter with Jesus and everything seemingly starts to go and, and just tank for him. You ever felt that way? Has anybody ever gotten, okay, I gave my life to Jesus. Feels like everything's going that way, not the way that I thought the preacher told me it would go. Paul has this encounter with Jesus. He ends up in prison. He ends up flogged. 40 lashes minus one because they say 40, so 39 lashes. At 40, they say you die. Three times beaten with a rod, one stone, three times shipwrecked, lost at sea, starved, cold, and naked. Welcome to Christianity. <laughs> I need to apologize and repent. Because too many times, and I'm repenting for me and, and any other preacher that has, has given you a false promise that says, if you give your life to Jesus, it's going to be all better. And didn't explain what better meant. Because let me tell you, my life is so much better because of Jesus, but my life has not necessarily been smoother. I haven't dodged all the darts. But, but we preach this gospel time and time again, unfortunately, that says, come down front. I say this all the time. Come down front, raise your hand, give your life to Jesus, and your relationship will be great. Your health, your finances, everything, uh, God is going to just make you so that you'll have a great testimony and be able to tell everybody this is God and to his glory. How much more difficult is it to glorify God? In the midst of having everything, you just scored a touchdown, thank you, Jesus. Or in the midst of having nothing. Which one's more? Which one, which one takes the power of you and which one takes the power of the Holy Spirit? When I score a touchdown, I go, thank you, Jesus. But I'm like, look at me. I'm all right with that. I don't care. But when I'm struggling in life and people are watching and I have a peace, and people go, how are you doing that? Jesus. And let me tell you something. They know there's no way you're getting through this without the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the peace that transcends all understanding that Paul's talking about does not come from having everything work out exactly as we imagined. It just doesn't. Many Christians are walking through hardships and have no peace. And, and there's a disconnect there because this Bible says the different. There's a disconnect. Why are they walking through difficulties in life and have no peace? Because it wasn't in their mind. It wasn't supposed to work out this way. It's not the way that I imagined it. And you've been sold a false gospel. And, 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 and what should have been sold to you that, that, that your power comes through the Holy Spirit that lives in you in Jesus Christ. Your peace is an eternal peace. It's not a temporal peace. These two, this two shall pass. This will all burn up and be gone. It's an eternal peace that I live for. That as I understand, as I go through difficulties, I understand, we, you know, I talk about it all the time. Why not again? You know, our season of life, we had a season of about, what, seven years, six years that was not fun. And in that season of life, what we realize is it's only a season that this will be over someday. And it may be over when we die. Oh, Lord, we hope not. We may be over when we die, but it will be over sometime. See, what happens is, is in our mind, we, we, we imagine what life should be. 
And when it doesn't happen that way, who do we blame? It's that popular mindset. A mindset is, is what the Bible calls idolatry. We set up idols. We build idols in our mind. The Bible says this of idols in Exodus 24 through 5. You shall not make for yourself an image, what did we just say, images, an image in the form of anything in heaven or above on earth or beneath it or in the waters below. You shall bow down, you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We build images in our mind about what life should be and we worship at that image. And the moment that that doesn't come to pass, we get mad because God didn't do what I told him I wanted done. We worship the idols of our mind. I was uh, with a man this week who, um, who was, was struggling with some financial decisions and uh, he, he just mad at God. And mad at God because a, a, a preacher had said, you need to tithe. And he tithed, but his finances weren't doing well. I said, well, you, you kind of... He kind of missed the whole point here. I don't give to get, but I do believe that God blesses me. And that blessing doesn't always look like financial returns. Although, let me tell you, I am blown away by God and what he's done. It wasn't what I had conjured in my mind some 30 years ago when I you know, thought I would get married, live in California, and you know, didn't know I was going to be in the ministry. Um, it, it wasn't what I had here, but, but God goes beyond what I... I could even, so, you know, and, and, and this, this guy was, was mad because he's been tithing. And then he started to deconstruct some things in his life. And it, long story short, the guy's worth, I mean, maybe a million plus dollars, like liquid cash that was actually given to him from someone else. It was a blessing. And I'm going, I, I, there's a disconnect here. And uh, often we as Christians have this disconnect in our mind because we have these idols that we create. The idols of your mind are the stories that you write. Sometimes it's escaped the hard wind and the hard that we're in and we write a story and that story, you know, I wrote a story when my mom was dying and the story was that God would miraculously heal her and her story would be told everywhere and, and more people would get saved. I wrote that story in my mind. It never came to be. We write stories because we're in hard, difficult situations, and that's all right. Sometimes the stories that we write is, I'll show you. Sometimes we've been through something with someone, and we start to, in our mind, imagine and, and write these stories of the way things are going to go. And it's like, I'm going to show you how it is, and you're not going to treat me that way. Sometimes, or many times, the, the stories that we write in our mind are just pure fantasy. You know? You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, guys, you're like a three or four and you think you're going to marry a 10? Pure fantasy. Come on, let's just be real here. God's going to bless me with a 10. And we create these fantasies. And, and, and we dream about things and, and think we deserve things. And God goes, that's not what I have for you. Romans 12.2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are the idols that, that, set up, that we set up? We set them up in our mind. Renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect well, will. The idols that we set up in our mind have to be torn down. The way we tear the idols in our mind down is through this word. Washing our mind with the word of God. Testing to prove if what I think is what God wants to do. If what I'm saying is what God would say, this is critical to walk in peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding that we talked about, Paul earlier, says this. It guards our heart and guards our mind. The peace of God, the trusting in God, guards our heart against hopelessness and guards our mind against fantasies. The peace of God protects us. And we walk in it. 
It's not just an encounter. It's what we, it's not just, you know, that, that boom, peace. It's like, okay, I experience the peace of God. Then I choose to walk in the peace of God. How do I do that? I take all thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, casting down every vain imagination. Second Corinthians 10, we just read it. I take all that craziness around me. I go, no, 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 no. No, I'm going to walk in me. In spite of what I feel, taste, see, or hear, I'm going to trust God. And at the end of the day, they kill me, they kill me. Because I know that this is just a moment in time. And the reality is this. I don't have anything beyond this moment. I can leave this place today, drive down this street, and my life could be over. Therefore, what am I doing now? What is peace? How do I enter the story? I enter the story, the Christmas story, by walking in this peace in the midst of the difficulty that I'm going through. I walk in this peace and my neighbors and my friends and my family go, how are you walking in this? Jesus. There's only one answer, Jesus. There's only one way out, Jesus. And it looks deadly. It looks dooming, but you know what? I have peace because I know this isn't where I live. In fact, Paul says, this is just a tent. I'm just passing through this place. This isn't where I'm going to end up. Therefore, how can I hold on to it so tightly? That's the peace that God's calling us to walk in. That's the story I'm asking you to enter in during this Christmas season, no matter what you're experiencing and going through. Guard your hearts and minds from what? The idolatry. We all do it. We all do it. And there's, there's, a, there's a tension there. Uh, let me, let me, you know, let me, we love to dream. We dream. I think, it, it, you know, we do marriage conferences. One of the things we teach on is dreaming because um, it is important for husband and wife to dream together. Here's what we've seen in 27 years of marriage that, that when a husband and wife stop dreaming together, they don't stop dreaming. They just start dreaming of someone else. So you have to stir the dreams within one another. And we have dreams that are realistic, and we have dreams that are nowhere near we think we'll really, unless we hit the lottery. I don't think I'm hitting the lottery. But if we hit the lottery, man, we're going to have that, that beach house with, for 20 kids and, you know, and ice cream flowing for, like, milk and honey. You know? <laughs> that, that's what, there you go. Are we going to, I don't know. That's not going to happen. But I don't care. If there's something about it, it does between us. There's realistic dreams of, okay, we want to raise our children and, and our grandchildren in the admonition of the Lord. Real dreams. <sighs> But I have to regularly tear down the idolatry and the idols that I've created in my mind that aren't real. So in, in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worth of the calling to which you have been called. What manner is he talking about? What manner is this word talking about? What are we as Christians to enter into and to walk as, as Christians during this Christmas season? What does that look like? He says this in verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That's real hard during Christmas dinner. Let me tell you, depending on your family, it gets more difficult, a little less difficult. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Paul says, this is, the, this is what I want you to walk in as a believer. This is what I want them to see. The manner of which we are to walk is humility. Last week we talked and touched on, because Paul said, it's the last week of the week before, uh, it talks about the humility. It starts from, from getting on our knees and worshiping the one who deserves our worship and not worshiping ourselves. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, the manner in which Paul has called us to walk. The manner in which we are to walk is, is in the bond of peace. Something happens when I walk in humility of knowing who I am and who God is, and I'm on my knees before him. When I walk in that humility, when I walk in that peace and, I'm, and I have unity in my family with others, when I, when I walk in that, then what happens, there's this bond, and that bond of peace goes forth wherever and whatever situation I walk into. How do I do it this Christmas? What's the matter? Okay, great. You want me to walk in peace? Here's the fun part. How do I walk in peace? If you've been around here long enough, you know the answer. I talk about it regularly. And I talk about it regularly because, not because I think you need it, because I know I need it. 
How do you walk in the manner of peace? You have to die. Yay, welcome to church. The world says this, keep your life, fight for your life, do everything to preserve your life. And the Bible says this, you need to die. Something happens in the death, burial, and resurrection of your life. Something happened on that day some 2,000 years ago when Jesus went on the cross and into the grave and came up. He gave me life. He gave me life that I never had. You have to die. Paul says it this way. We are to die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, Jesus, let him deny himself, humility, take up his cross, your calling, and follow me. He says, literally, you must die daily to yourself. How do I die each day? You have to crucify your imagination and allow God to resurrect it. You want to know how you walk in peace? You crucify your imagination and you let the word of God wash over your mind and you allow the word of God to determine who you are and you allow the word of God to determine where you're going and you allow the word of God to determine where you're going to be and you allow the word of God to determine your finances and you allow the word of God as it washes over your mind to determine your health and you allow the word of God as it washes over your mind to determine your relationships and you stop trying to grasp and you stop putting the idols in your mind and say if she would just get her stuff together if he would just be this then 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 it would work out and God says no if you would just wash your mind with my word and tear down the idols of expectation that I never put in your mind you put in your mind then you will see my peace it's contrary it's completely different what the world says this is the beauty of the gospel everything's upside down it's Seinfeld, Bizarro World. You ever see that episode? One of the great episodes of Seinfeld, Bizarro World. And, and George, you know George, he just figured out if I just do everything the opposite of what I think, I'll be right. <laughs> That's the gospel. <laughs> to get, you got to give. To give, you got to get. First is last and last is first. Jesus just turns up the, everything and just flips it around. You want to find your life? Then you must lose it. Matthew 16, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He'll, he'll, he or she will walk in peace in the midst of chaos. He or she will walk in a joy that has nothing to do with circumstances, but has everything to do with who God says they are. You have to kill the squirrels in your head. You got to shoot them. Second Corinthians 10, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We thought comes, we grab it, we cast it down. Okay, what does it say in the word of God? Thought comes, we, we, I'm telling you, you got to kill the squirrels. Thought comes, it would be better if I was with him or I with her. No, 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 I'm going to shoot that squirrel, let God resurrect it. It would be better, it would be better if I had this job or if I made this money. Shoot that squirrel, let God resurrect what he might. That thought comes into your head. I would be so happy if I lived in that house and had that car. Shoot that squirrel. Let God resurrect what he's going to do. Those thoughts keep coming. You go, no, 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 no. I'm going to kill those squirrels, and I'm going to let the word of God resurrect what's true. <laughs> it's crazy. Those squirrels just run around. They just get going. Gosh, next thing you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, kill the squirrel. That should be the message name. Kill the squirrel. <laughs> we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We tear down the idols in our mind on a daily basis. Well, what I had to learn that, that, that I thought I knew, but I didn't. I knew it. I knew it 
by reading the word, but I didn't have that experiential knowledge. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. The experiential knowledge of this truth of tearing down the idols in my mind and what that looks like in my mind. And, and I learned this it, most of when we went through that difficult time is that when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, the pretense is the, the thing. God, Lord, it's yours. I'm not going to be surprised by anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in the integrity that you, as best I can that you called me to. I'm going to love people well, and I can't control the rest. So I'm going to trust you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down those idols that say, today is the first day of the rest of my life, and it's going to be the greatest day ever. No, today is the day that you give me. I'm going to do what you called me to do in it, and out of that will come peace and the fullness of God. Jesus says this in John 11. I'm the resurrection life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. If I crucify the flesh in the morning, the world looks a lot different. Hope starts to set in because I know the story of the crucifixion. On the third day, he rose again from the dead and there was life. When I crucify who I am, Paul says, when I crucify that which is in me, he rises up. What does that practically look like? God, it's yours. When you wake up, God, it's yours. In the middle of the day, God, it's yours. When you're going to sleep, God, it's yours. When you get that call, God, it's yours. When you see that bank account, God, it's yours. It's a constant giving it back to the one who owns it. See, because the lie is this, you think you own it. That's complete crap. You don't own anything. You don't even know the next breath that you'll draw upon. So the heart of thankfulness that comes in and the peace that goes with that is like, I worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He owns uh, uh, the cattle on all the hills. He owns it all. He created it all. I can walk in the peace that if he says enough's enough, enough's enough. And I know that in his infinite wisdom, when he says enough's enough, that means something better's coming. God, I need your resurrection in my dreams so that I might walk in a manner worthy to call which you have called me. See, th this whole time here on earth, it's not about you. It's about others. It's about walking in a manner in which someone goes, that person knows Jesus. They have, they could, how, they gotta know Jesus. And their life is impacted. In verse 4, or, or in chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells us what the manner looks like. He says, with all humility, gentleness, patience. He says, when I die to myself and allow God to resurrect my life, I'm walking in humility. I'm walking in gentleness. I'm walking in patience. Bearing with one another. As you go into this Christmas this, this year, as you go into this holiday, as you go and you, you, you spend time these next couple of weeks, I'm asking you to enter the story, to walk into this place of peace, to walk in the peace that surpasses all understanding. As you guard your heart and mind with the washing of the word of God, that you'd walk in such a way that your circumstances Circumstances do not determine what that looks like. Only Jesus does. And it's not easy. I'm preaching to the choir. I got to walk in the same walk, and it's so hard because I want to take control. Paul goes on in verse 3. He says, it's, it's interesting, he transitions, eagerly maintain unity. Eagerly maintain, eagerly, to eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That there's this balance of, of unity and peace that, that come together. That, that the church is unified around the peace of Christ. We're not divided by, by doctrines that don't matter, but we're unified by the peace of Christ. We're unified by the essential doctrines. The doctrine of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The, do, the doctrine of, of, of the virgin birth. The doctrine of sovereignty. All these, these, these essential doctrines that, that we were willing to die for were unified around them, not divided. And Paul says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What I'm asking is that we enter into the story, enter into the Christmas story this year. 
Now, once New Year's comes along, I'm going to say, enter into the New Year's story. <laughs> but you know what? Our minds seem to be able to handle seasons and, and bits of time. I don't need you to enter into next year. I want you, I'm asking you to enter into the story today for this Christmas season. I know some of us are up against difficulties right now. I know some of your stories. There's some of the stories I don't know. And some of you may be doing just fine today. Regardless, I'm asking as you examine your hearts that you'd enter in the story. And the story I'm asking you to enter is the Christmas story, the one that Jesus entered in some 2,000 years ago. And when you enter that story, what you're doing is you're worshiping fully. You, you, the identity of Christmas isn't about all this stuff, but it's about the, the, the birth of Jesus. That, that you lead your families during this season. Some of you are going, well, what does that look like? I'm in college and my parents. You know what that looks like to lead your family and you're, you're a college student or you're single and, and your parent? It's, it means that you walk in the peace of God and even your parents don't understand what's going on. And that you be generous. And I'm not just talking about Christmas. I'm talking about being generous with every moment of your life. I'm talking about the fact that, that there's so many things coming at us that rarely will we stop to help another human being. I'm talking about being generous with every aspect of your life, financially, time, emotionally. That's how we enter into the story during this time. That's what I'm asking us to do as a church. That's what I'm asking you to do as a believer in Christ Jesus, is to enter the story. Oh, no more slides. I guess you guys are out of here. <laughs> As we get ready to receive communion, I just want you to examine your hearts. And, and the question that sits before you is this. Would anybody know that or be able to identify that I'm a Christian by seeing the peace that I walk in? Ah, that's a tough one, huh? Would anybody really look at me and go, man... There's some piece about you that I, I, I want. And if there isn't, that's fine. And if there is, because this is the beauty of communion and this word. So I get up in the morning and I go, okay, God, I quit today. I'm going to let you do what you're going to do in me. So, so before we receive communion, what I'm asking you to do is examine your heart. If that piece isn't sitting there, the first thing I do is I repent to go, God, forgive me for holding on to those idols in my head. Forgive me for not shooting those squirrels. Forgive me for not washing my mind with this word. God, I want to walk in peace. And when you say that, you're acknowledging everything that's going on around you. And you're acknowledging that there's some tough stuff happening. But in humility, you're going, it's yours, it's not mine. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk in hope. I'm going to walk in peace. And ultimately, as I said before, why? It's not about you. It's that others might see Jesus and have the opportunity to walk in that same hope. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he entered the story 2,000 years ago. So as we receive communion, this is a holy moment, and the band comes up, and or the worship team comes up. Um, just examine your heart. Before you go and receive, we have communion stations to the left and to the right and to the back. And this is a time when you have a relationship with Jesus. You come and you receive the blood and the body, or the elements that represent Christ's blood and body. It says this, the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that has been broken for you. And he said this, he said this, that he said, move that microphone over here, great singer. <laughs> he said, take that bread, break it, and when you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represented his blood. And he said, when you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. It, it, it's, it's amazing, the remembrance. 
So as you come and receive, examine your heart and then receive and then walk out of this place with a joy, with a peace that only this Jesus can bring. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for your word and and Paul and his words and Lord, God, I just, I, I repent for the idols that I've set up in my mind. But they haven't been approved by you, God. They're, they're my own little idols. God, forgive me. God, I want you to guide direct. God, we want to walk in peace this Christmas season. God, I thank you for your son who died for our sins, that we might have life. And God, before we receive the elements this morning, God, I just, I just want to look in my heart. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal anything that needs to be revealed. God, thank you. Oh, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your blood that washes away my sins. Thank you for your blood that, Lord, allows me to walk and under no condemnation, no guilt, no weight, Father God, I can walk in freedom because of you. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.